Hello and welcome to the Trail Magic Podcast, where we seek to equip college students with resources, biblical teaching, and helpful conversations for the journey ahead. On this week's episode, our summer college ministry gatherings for worship and teaching begin. Our teaching focus for this summer will be on prayer. Listen in as John Lachelle teaches on seeking times of communion with God by delighting in and desiring His presence. We hope this summer teaching series strengthens and encourages you in your walk with Christ. Let's hit the trail. Uh, in about 1966, I was privileged to sit with a small group of students in an informal gathering with the uh, Christian psychologist, Dr. Henry, Henry Brandt. Uh, he passed into the presence of the Lord in 2008. You may never have heard of him, but he has been called the father of modern-day biblical counseling. He was talking about prayer, and one of the students said, well, no one prays as much as he should. And Dr. Brandt calmly replied, if I thought God wanted me to pray more than I do, I would pray more. That has stuck with me for these 50 years or thereabouts, I suppose. Now you might say, how about you? Do I pray as much as I think God wants me to do? Sometimes, yes. This past week, probably because I was preaching on prayer, there was a series of interruptions and things that didn't go quite right, and I probably prayed less this week than I normally do. So I think uh, either the Lord has a sense of humor or the devil has a dig at me. I'm, I don't know exactly how those things work. But for the most part, I think I, I pray as much as the Lord wants me to, um, although I wouldn't, don't hold me to it. I don't know if you pray as much as you think you should, but all of us who are children of God want to learn to pray better. For this summer's messages, Pastor Josh wants us to focus on prayer. And although we're going to cover a lot of kind of standard topics, I suppose, under the heading of prayer, we want to approach things from a perspective that I think is sometimes not um, mentioned. And that is, our theme for the summer is the great purpose of prayer is to glorify God. We tend to think that the great purpose of prayer is to get things that we need. Well, that's one of the things that prayer is about. But 1 Corinthians 10.31 says, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. Right. So certainly that would include praying, right? Um, and so that's, that's the focus I want to bring up this evening as we talk about glorifying God by seeking communion with him. And my purpose this evening is to help you think in terms of communion with the Father and Son and Holy Spirit as distinct persons in the Godhead. Uh, the word communion or fellowship translates the Greek word koinonia, which is kind of entered Christian lingo, and so you hear it fairly often. It means communion, fellowship, or sharing in various kinds of contexts. So the first thing I want to say is that communion with each member of the Trinity is biblical. Uh, Old Testament believers enjoyed rich communion with God. Just read the Psalms, and you will be struck by the depth of their love for God and their enjoyment of God's love for them. But they didn't have the same kind of boldness of faith to come to God that you and I have 
in New Testament days. And they did not understand the New Testament distinction of persons in the Godhead, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, because that was not clearly revealed. You see little echoes of it in the Old Testament. You see hints, but it wasn't clearly revealed until the Son of the Father became incarnate, became man. And so there is more revelation now regarding who God is, and therefore more revelation as to how to approach him, how to have fellowship with him, how to have communion with him. So we see in 1 John 1, 3, what we have seen and heard, we proclaim to you also so that you too may have fellowship with us. And indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. 1 Corinthians 1, 9, God is faithful through whom you were called into fellowship with his Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. And then 2 Corinthians 13, 14, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. So that word fellowship or communion uh, is related to all three members of the Trinity individually. And so when we think in terms of, of our praying, it, it is biblical New Testament kind of biblical, that our prayers should be Trinitarian. It doesn't mean that in every prayer you will mention all three persons of the Trinity, but you ought always to be thinking in terms of what, um, uh, how you relate to the Father, how you relate to the Son, how you relate to the Holy Spirit. And when you do that, uh, that in enriches your prayer. It, it gives your prayer a, a little bit different direction. Now, I'm, I don't want you to think that God is fussy. You know, I didn't get it right. I didn't say the right words. I didn't have, I, I didn't, no. I mean, when a three-year-old comes to his dad and, and talk, talks to him, and um, the father is pleased. Uh, I mean, well, what, what, when do they start with the why? What, what age? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Why, why, why? Well, after a while, you do get get tired of it. I, I remember this is it's not in my notes. <laughs> She's looking at me. That's my daughter. I think it was Sean this time, <laughs> and he wanted to go with me someplace, and I was tired. I said, "Okay, you can come if you just don't say anything until we get across the bridge." That that would give me at least. Five, four or five minutes, you know, of, of silence. Well, but still, fathers are glad when their kids come and they talk to them in childish sorts of ways. But, you know, the older my kids got, the more I enjoyed them. I mean, when they were little, they just kind of smiled and pooped, you know. Um, and, but <laughs> well, that, that's what babies do. Uh, but as they got older and I could interact with them, it, it just got better and better. Uh, I really enjoyed them in the high school years. Uh, then when they kind of got to the peak of being able to enjoy them, they left. Um, you know, they, they went off to college. They went off, got married, and all those sorts of things. So I, I'm very glad to have, have Bethany close enough that she can come and see us or we can go to see her sometimes. And so God isn't the fussy sort of father. He's glad when you come to him. But as you grow in your understanding of who he is, your fellowship with him 
is enriched. So communion with the Trinity flows from the particular work of each member in our redemption. Uh, what, what does the Father do? What does the Son do? What does the Holy Spirit do? Now, some activities of the Trinity are common to all three members. For example, God's love for us is expressed by each member of the Trinity. The Father loves us, the Son loves us, the Holy Spirit loves us. Still, there are significant differences in the way each member of the Trinity expresses God's love. Love is an aspect of the divine nature. I would say it's the basically the heart of the moral nature of God, so that all three members of the Trinity share the same love. It's not that there is a different love for each member of the Trinity. They have the same love. Um, however, in the covenant of redemption, before the foundation of the world, the members of the Trinity freely agreed to express that undivided love in different ways for our salvation. And those different ways of expressing the love of God were suitable for them depending on the relations that were eternal within the Trinity. So when you think of the particular works of the Father, I've just given you a few, but first of all, the Father sent the Son. Now, this is not rocket science. You know this. First uh, John chapter 4, verses 9 and 10. Can you see the words on the screen? If you can, let's read them together. By this, the love of God was manifested in us, that God has sent his only begotten Son into the world so that we might live through him. In this is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his Son to be the propitiation for our sins. So we should frequently thank the Father for loving us so much that he sent his Son, his only begotten Son, Jesus, to die for us. We should never think that the Father was ticked off at us. He was mad at us. But Jesus loved us, so he volunteered to take our rap. You see, Jesus hates sin just as much as the Father hates sin. His hatred of sin is the same as the Father's hatred of sin. And the Father loves us as much as Jesus does. The love of Jesus for us is the same as the Father's love for us. And the Father expressed his love for us by sending his Son. Another way in which the Father expressed his love for us is that the Father chose you and gave you to the Son to redeem. He chose you and gave you to Christ to redeem. Let's read together Ephesians 1, 3 through 5. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ, just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we would be holy and blameless before him. In love he predestined us to adoption as sons through Jesus Christ to himself, according to the kind intention of his will. So the Father is the one who chose us before the foundation of the world. That's how he expressed his love for us. But he gave us then to Christ. We see that in two verses in the Gospel of John. Actually, there are more, but I just have two here. All that the Father, let's read together. All that the Father gives me will come to me. And the one who comes to me, I will certainly not cast out. This is the will of him who sent me, that of all he has given me, I lose nothing, but raise it up on the last day. 
You see, you are a love gift from the Father to the Son. The Father loved his Son, so he gave you to him to redeem. The Father loved you, so he gave you to the Son. You should often thank the Father for choosing you. Uh, you, you don't thank the Holy Spirit for choosing you. His ministries are different. You don't thank Jesus for choosing you. You thank the Father for choosing you. That's the constant uh, thing that we have in the New Testament. Now, Jesus did choose the 12, and he mentions that in the Gospel of John, chapter 15. But even those that he chose to be his apostles, uh, the Father had given to him, and he speaks of that in John 17. Another thing that the Father does is that he gives good gifts. Every good thing given and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shifting shadow, as James 1.17. Now, Pastor Josh is going to be speaking about depending on our Father for good gifts next week. I'm not going to say any more about that this evening. But these are some of the things that the, the Father has done uh, is in expressing his love for us. But what has the Son do done? Now, I'm going to be very brief here uh, because you probably know more about Jesus and what he's done than you do perhaps some other things. But the particular works of the Son in our salvation, well, first of all, he exhibited the character of God. We know something of what God is like from the Old Testament. We know a lot about God from the Old Testament. But that was a more partial, more obscure revelation of his character. And he finds, we find a full revelation of his character in Christ. The evening before his crucifixion, when Thomas asked Jesus to show him the Father, small request, huh? Jesus said to him, Have I been so long with you, and yet you have not come to know me, Philip? He who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? So what do we see in Christ? Now, you could list a lot of things, I'm sure. Uh, but we see, for instance, his grace and truth in perfect proportion. Not grace overwhelming truth so that he's all mushy. Not truth overwhelming grace so that he's harsh and unforgiving. But grace and truth together. We see his humility, the condescending humility of Christ in becoming man is an exhibition of God's lowering himself. Uh, why should the almighty God, maker of heaven and earth, pay any attention to us? David wondered that when he, when he looked at the stars, the, the work of God's fingers, and he says, what is man that you should be mindful of him? God descends to us. The holiness of God we see in the perfect purity of Jesus and in his hatred, hate, hatred of hypocrisy. But you could list a lot of other things, I'm sure, but we see his character. So as you read scripture and you see something of the character of God in Christ, that's, that's food for your meditation and then food for your prayer. And you think about who he is and you thank him for his grace and truth. You thank him for humbling himself. You thank him that he has become one of us, our elder brother in the family of God. So we see what God is like in the Gospels by watching Jesus. And then 
the main thing that we typically think of is that he accomplished our redemption. And I've put a whole lot of stuff in this package. And, uh, I mean, you could spin this out. You could talk about what Jesus has done for us. And you could talk about redemption. You could talk about propitiation. It's in the text I have. Uh, you could talk about a number of other things. But just very briefly, he accomplished our redemption by his substitutionary death for our sins. And then by, as our high priest, he prays for us, he intercedes for us, he helps us, he understands us because he is a, a man. Um, let's read together Hebrews 2, 17 and 18. I think it's on the screen, yes. Therefore, he had to be made like his brethren. Come on, I want to hear you. Okay. In all things, so that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in things pertaining to God, to make propitiation for the sins of the people. For since he himself was tempted in that which he has suffered, he is able to come to the aid of those who are tempted. So when you pray, you, you don't thank God the Father for dying for you. He didn't do that. You don't address Jesus as your Father. Jesus is not your father in the scheme of the Trinity. Uh, he, he's your older brother, as we see it in Hebrews chapter 2. Um, Isaiah 9, 6, where Christ is called the everlasting father, is not in terms of New Testament teaching on the fatherhood of God. It's in terms of a king being a father to his people. That's the idea there. Um, so... Uh, you, you address Jesus and you speak to him or you pray to the F God the Father about him uh, in ways that are suitable to what he has done for you. So you can say to Jesus, thank you, Jesus, for dying specifically for me. Thank you for praying for me to the Father. Thank you for understanding me and my temptations. You overcame all the temptations of the devil, so please help me. Give me grace in my time of need. The Bible says you are, in you are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Lord Jesus, please give me wisdom. So you're, you're praying to him on the basis of what Scripture says about him. And then, very briefly, the particular works of the Holy Spirit. Jesus said in John 16, But I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the Helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And I can imagine the disciples saying, I don't think this is an advantage to, to have the personal presence of Jesus go away. I, I would have been, well, they were. They were distraught. They had to be comforted. They were very troubled. But what are the advantages we have by having the Spirit instead of the personal presence of Jesus? And John 7, 37 to 39, John chapters 14 through 16, Acts chapter 2, we see that the risen, exalted Lord Jesus received as a gift from the Father to send the Holy Spirit to the church. And so now the Holy Spirit indwells everyone who savingly believes in Christ. Do you belong to Christ? You have the Spirit of God living in you. Now, everything that the Father does inside of us, he does through his Spirit. Everything that the Lord Jesus does inside of us, he does through his Spirit. He's the Spirit of the Father. He's the Spirit of the Son. And to have the Holy Spirit living in us is to have 
the Father and the Son living in us, as John um, chapter uh, 14 says. And so in Ephesians 3.16, when the Apostle Paul is praying, he prays to the Father. He prays that the Father would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with power through his Spirit in the inner man. So the Father strengthens us through his Spirit in the inner man. The Father works in us inwardly through the Spirit. Jesus works in us inwardly through the Spirit. And just quickly, uh, I haven't even listed all the things the Holy Spirit does. Pastor John spoke on some of John, Josh, who are you? Yeah. Spoke, well, we had a Pastor John in our former church. And so I just went by Pastor, because I'm also John, and he went by Pastor John, except he eventually be just became PJ. Yeah. So anyway, whatever. All right, so the Holy Spirit, what does he do? He regenerates us. That means he opens our hearts to see the attractiveness of Christ and the gospel. Uh, he, uh, he brings us to faith in Christ. And when we pray for the salvation of other people, we ought to remember that nobody will come to Christ unless the Holy Spirit works inwardly in him to uh, create that faith by which he is saved. So, so I, when I pray for people, I, I pray, Father, please, by your spirit, open um, my brother's eyes so that he will see the Lord Jesus and be drawn to him. Uh, I, that's the way I pray. Uh, he seals us. He, that means he secures us until the day that our redemption is complete. And so when you feel very weak and as though you can't really hold on to the Lord any longer, uh, you, you say, Holy Spirit, I know that you are God's seal on me. I can't keep myself, but boy, I'm thankful that you're keeping me. You see how you, how you turn these attributes of the, each person into, into prayer. He teaches us. He opens our eyes to see and appreciate the truths in the Bible. So whenever I open God's word or when I'm, I'm about to listen to a message, I ask that the Holy Spirit will teach me what I need to have out of that passage. Um, I'm very deliberate about that. He sanctifies us and makes us more like Christ. Uh, the Bible says that we mortify sin, we put sin to death by the Holy Spirit. That's in Romans chapter 8. He sanctifies us. And so sanctification is not just getting rid of this bad habit. It's becoming more like Christ. And who does that in us? The Spirit of God. He comforts us in our trials and troubles. As we see in John 14, Jesus said, let not your heart be troubled. And he immediately talked to them about the comforter, the helper, the Holy Spirit. He equips and empowers us for service and makes us bold to proclaim the name of Jesus so that when Jesus was uh, about to ascend into heaven. He said, you shall receive power. After that, the Holy Spirit is come upon you. The Holy Spirit gives spiritual gifts to each one of us to enable us to serve God. In all of these matters, we should be distinctly aware of our need for the Spirit, so he should be in our prayers, whether we address the Spirit directly or whether we ask the Father or the Lord Jesus Christ to work in us in these ways by his Spirit. So you'll find many of the, uh, of the prayers in the, in, in the New Testament are Trinitarian. Not that every prayer of the Apostle Paul mentions all three persons of the Trinity, but there is this awareness 
of what the Father does, what the Son does, what the Holy Spirit does. Communion with God, with the three persons of the Godhead. Communion with the triune God glorifies God because it rests on what God has revealed about himself. You see, we're not making up a God that we can address and approach any old way we want. We should address God and speak to God in the way that he has revealed himself to be. Most of the time, we address God as Father because that's what Jesus taught us to do, and we see him uh, modeling that himself when he uh, calls on the Father in the Gospel of John. Um, that's also the emphasis in the epistles, which sometimes describe God as our Father and sometimes as the Father of the Lord Jesus Christ. So when we call God Father or when we uh, pray directly to Jesus or to the Holy Spirit, we are honoring God, glorifying God according to the way he has revealed himself to be. When we pay no attention to the personal distinctions revealed in the New Testament, we're just praying in the old way we like. Uh, we, we're just praying perhaps like an Old Testament saint who doesn't really even think about the distinctions within the Trinity. So I guess what I'm encouraging you to do is that uh, when you pray, use your head, think, Think about the one to whom you are speaking. Now, you know, if I were to come up here and say, Josh, thanks for that great meal that you fixed for me yesterday. That, that was just wonderful. And, uh, you know, then we had a nice walk, and, and then I went to your house, and we saw this movie. It was a lot of fun. Except none of those things happened. <laughs> he didn't do those things. <laughs> Uh, now, it would be suitable to thank my wife for a great meal, you know, or my daughter. Uh, she cooked, uh, it was a combination effort, I think, yesterday. Um, but, uh, yeah, and it was very good. That would be appropriate. So, you, you just naturally think of the person you're talking to when you're face-to-face, -face, right? And so think in the same way of the triune God, because then you're honoring him, you're glorifying him, by treating him as he has revealed himself to be, uh, not just uh, as you might imagine him to be. And so God commands us to love him with all our heart, soul, mind, yes, and strength. Let's pray. Father in heaven, you are the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. You have chosen us and adopted us into your family, even though we had no claim on you and no worthiness that you should want to give us an inheritance with Christ. And so we thank you for this. We recognize our helplessness. We recognize our inability even to pray well. And we depend on your Holy Spirit for everything. Father, as we begin to study prayer this summer, we pray that we might learn to pray better by learning to know you better and by learning to know your Son better.
by learning to recognize the work of the Holy Spirit in us. For we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Trail Magic is a production of the College Ministry of Alliance Bible Fellowship in Boone, North Carolina. For more information, go to abfboone.org. Thanks for tuning in.